In the previous episode, we discussed the ideas that revolutionized physical manufacturing, starting from Toyota and Toyota production system down to what is now dubbed lean manufacturing. And how these ideas affect us at Nosby and our work is what I wanted to discuss with you, Michael, today on the podcast. Yes, because I think it's great that, you know, we are learning about these new concepts, but us being us, we like to apply what we learn and see if we can improve. And Kaizen, with one of the concepts from lean manufacturing, is about continuous improvement. So let's see what we can do in our world of non-physical virtual software manufacturing. Yes. <laughs> uh, because, uh, you know, some people may argue that, you know, our business is just so simple because we are doing something virtual which actually you know, doesn't exist physically um, in the world. Um, so how can we put these ideas into place and what can we do better? Or how can we do better? Or should we do anything better? <laughs> we should. We always should. As long as there's a company, as long as there is a value provided to the customer, there is a process and it can be improved. And it must, because we're small. We're doing well, but we're not that rich. So there's dreams we want to achieve in terms of what our product could be, should be ought to be, must be for our customers, but are struggling because it takes time, it takes people, right? And there's only so many people we, we can hire at this moment. So we got to continuously improve to figure out A, how to make the product better for the customer and B, how to improve ourselves internally so that we can do more with what we've got, right? Yes, and that we can really... Uh, as we mentioned in the previous episode, you know, not focus, uh, like, that we have advantage. We don't have that much money. So uh, when you don't have that much money, what you have is creativity. And and how yeah. how we can really use this creativity for our own good, because we are a small company, as you mentioned, and we, we are a small team that wants to achieve great things. How do we do this? Constraints are advantages in disguise. That was the Jason Fried or the 37 Signals thing. I'm not sure if, if he came up with it. But yeah, that's that's good. Exactly. Um, uh, actually, I wanted to start off with um, many things that we have come up with uh, in the development team over the last two or so years that I don't think we've discussed publicly. And some of them, I think, go against the grain of uh, standard practice in the industry. And even if they don't, they were fairly new to us and they mostly came from our own thinking and Im improving, like uh, fixing what bugs us. That's another Paul Akers two seconds lean uh, thing, yes. like fixing what, what bugs us and um, or what I like to call frustration-driven development, right? We've improved processes and came up with ideas which were new to us, maybe will be new to our listeners, even if they do uh, make software. So let's start with that, shall we? Yeah, I mean, and hashtag Nosby history. Nosby was born out of my frustration that I couldn't get stuff done and didn't have a tool for that. So it was already like the, the, the whole genesis of Nosby is because I needed something. I needed something better. So there you go. All right, uh, let's start with this one. Weekly release train. So this is not exactly new in the industry, but point is this. Every week on Monday, we release the app. That's it. For Nosby teams, that's what we do. For Nosby free, that's not what we do. It's an established product. 
we follow the established um, processes because we don't want to mess with it. Uh, right now, we want to mess with the stuff we're building from scratch. Um, and with that, and like like on like on the train schedule, on Monday we release the app with what we've got. So uh, we don't have marketing releases for Nosby Teams, and I don't think we will have. Um, meaning we don't have you know version 2.0, version 3.0, whatever. We don't time releases based on stuff we have absolutely polished and ready to make a huge blog post about it. No, we continuously work on the app every day, every week. We we merge the feature branches to master, so the, the main line, the, the, the combined version with all of the newest improvements. And every Monday, we just release it, right? And so uh, this is in contrast, um, surely, to traditional software development thinking, where um, you have a more rigid process, um, especially as for quality assurance or testing, right? Because you can't just release something every week because it can have bugs, right? And like testing something takes a lot of time. So like, it's just unthinkable to do this. And also um, before automatic updates, um, or if you have paid upgrades, then you want to make marketing releases to entice people to uh, update at least, or maybe upgrade and pay you more money, right? For us, none of this is relevant. So even though um, it's not just a website that's always the newest version, like people do download the new versions for their phones, for example, every week they get a new version. Yeah, the the, 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 the thing about this is that I, I remember this quote by Seth Godin that he said that when do you ship software? When you ship software, when you're, when you're out of budget or out of time, <laughs> you ship. <laughs> and yeah. for us, out of time means every Monday. And... Uh, I like this fact. I like this fact that we no longer highlight a new version of 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 NOSB teams because uh, first of all, like it's a very geeky thing to do, you know, version three, version four. Who cares? Like the benefits of using the software are important. So even for example, if we release a very cool groundbreaking feature on a Monday, we would just ship it with a normal Monday schedule. And at yeah. some point, you know, later in the week or next week, whatever, we will write it up and explain to our customers, hey, there is a new feature, like, check it out. So what you ha what happens is that you reduce this kind of waste of uh, of having inventory, like having features yes. done. I wanted to make that joke. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, so, um, so what happens here is that you reduce, I think, additional waste because you just keep on releasing and releasing, like 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 just in time, right? Yeah, exactly. It's just in time <laughs> manufacturing of software. Um, now, uh, this so so just like with lean manufacturing, like this is one of those ideas that that have a lot of consequences, right? It's not just one thing; um, it has uh, a lot of consequences that impact other parts of your process. Um, so, how do you ensure that this thing? is of high quality to release. Uh, well, right now the bar is lower for us since it's still in beta, but that's not going to be true uh, in, for too much longer. Uh, but there are many techniques we use to alleviate the problem of releasing buggy software. So first of all, we have very serious dog footing. So dog footing in software industry is um, 
eating your own dog food or um, you know using the software you you make yourself. So um, obviously we don't make software for customers or clients. This is stuff that's the base of our own work. So we use it all day long, and we have really annoying uh, auto update feature. So on the web, if a single comment, a single merge happens on master, um, you get an annoying pop-up and you're gonna reload the, the page and get the, the newest version before, you know, multiple times per day. Same thing on uh, the na native apps, on iOS, on Android. You just get an annoying pop-up. You will only see this internally. You It says, hey, there's a new version. You click install, the app kind of crashes, downloads the new version, tap it, you have the, the latest version, right? So a couple of times per day, certainly every day, you see the latest version before it's even released. Another small thing we do is um, we don't merge to master on Fridays. So Friday is a special day for us. It's a TGIF. We do a weekly review then, and we focus on learning new stuff or just, you know, doing, uh, doing whatever... Yeah, stuff like that. So um, it also like makes sense, hey, so we shouldn't do code review and merge things to master. That's kind of one reason for it. And the other is that we still gonna use um, Nosby, the app, for a couple of uh, hours on Friday doing our weekly reviews. So if there is a serious issue, we're probably gonna catch it by just using the app, right? Um, and so by not merging new things, we... Uh, lower the risk of merging something that's gonna break things. Yeah, and uh, also the other thing is that then on the weekend there is no frantic bug fixing situation when something really goes 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 bad. And uh, we've had these that kind of weekends <laughs> before in our history, and we yeah. would like to say that we learned our lesson that uh, when you when you you don't ship anything on a Friday. You <laughs> Friday is to close the week, not to yeah. start your week too early. That's why we ship on a Monday because we start the week, and if we do mess something up by shipping on a Monday, we have the longest time to um, do this without struggling, right? So we haven't actually had the conversation yet of what exactly we're going to do once we officially launch Nosby Teams. Um, but there's many things we could do. Um, some of them are fairly standard practice now. One is um, incremental release. So when you release the new version to, um, to, to the App Store, the Play Store, uh, and also in the configuration of your web version server, is you increase continuously the percentage of people that see the latest version, right? So you don't show the latest version to everyone at once. Mm -hmm. You show it first to 1% of the people, then 5, then 10, then 20, then 50, then 75, and then 100%, right? So one release, even though we do have releases, right? It's it's not like, um, uh, you know, there, there are still small batches, small inventory. It's kind of released gradually to the public. And we can have um, people who uh, said they want to be beta testers and really uh, like receive the the latest versions a little bit earlier and this way if an issue does occur it's going to impact a lot less people right only a few people they're probably going to tell us about it um, email customer support or uh, yell at us on twitter but it might be one percent of the people not 100 percent. even if we don't catch this before 
shipping. Then we can revert to the old version, fix it, re-release again gradually. And then by the time everybody sees it, it's unlikely we haven't um, noticed a bug impacting smaller number of people before it gets to 100%. Yeah, but what I like about this, if, if we continue with this and we continue with you know, Monday, Monday releases, uh, which I think we totally should, is mm -hmm. also work on the whole release process because release process is very long there are many you know we have apps for all the platforms like like the nosby teams is for the web yeah. and ios and android later in the future it will also be for the mac and for you know for everything else so mm -hmm. there are many apps to build everything to do so over there kaizen kicks in we will have to figure out a way to do it faster, to make sure that this is not like that, that Rafa, our product manager, is not spending the whole Monday on releasing um, a new version of software because every Monday like this, he will quit. <laughs> yeah. And this is very similar to many of our discussions last week about lean manufacturing, which is like the sheet press example, right? You have a yes. problem that it takes too long to change it out. So you don't change it out, right? You change it out as infrequently as, as possible. That's one sort of thinking. Another sort of thinking is you must change it out as quickly as possible to not have inventory, to get things to the customer as soon as possible. And it forces you to think creatively about, well, what the problem is, right? Why can't we release every week? Why is it taking so long to prepare all the builds and make sure they're correct? Why does it take so much time to test things to make sure they're of uh, appropriate quality for public consumption, right? And you fix them one by one and you can increase your pace. Um, I don't know, maybe we'll do one every two weeks. I don't know, doesn't matter. I think we're going to stick to one every week and I think even in production, we're going to do great. I, I know it was controversial. Uh, it's not super controversial in the... Mm, kind of hardcore community, um, kind of agile development people have been doing it for a long time. But when I proposed it, um, initially, there was a lot of skepticism because of how much overhead it would have to release every week. And guess what? So far um, in beta, that didn't, hasn't been that much of a problem. Yeah, and that's, that, that's, that's one of the issues and one of the problems uh, of introducing Kaizen and lean, lean manufacturing or lean thinking to an organization is that, like, well, we mentioned again last week, um, when you start a lean factory, the cord will be, will be pulled many times and the factory yeah. will stop many times. It will be discouraging. It will be annoying. It will be a pain. But over time, it just gets, you know, a fewer and fewer times and then it just does not, not ever stop. And I think with this kind of release cycle, all of us, like not only Rafa, the product manager, but everyone on the team will have to figure out a way how to make sure every week, like find every week a small improvement, what we can do to build the builds faster, to submit them to app stores faster, to like to pr prepare release notes and all that stuff faster, easier, like how to tweak the system and over you know, next weeks and months, we will have figured out a way to ship it in just a, f a few minutes instead of, you know, a few hours or a few days, like would it would happen. Like this was the whole thing, the whole problem actually, and we can admit this with our Nosby process on, until until now. Like we, we, would, we would very often postpone releasing a new version of Nosby just because like, oh, come on, releasing it again to the stores. Like it's so <laughs> much work. But that's, oh, yeah. that's another fallacy of lean manufacturing versus mass manufacturing is that 
once you have to do something very frequently, you start getting creative and thinking, what can, like, how can I reduce this? How can I reduce waste? What can I do better? Yeah. Okay. So another thing, um, pull requests. So um, I'm kind of trying to explain this to people who are not in software development. Um, when we work on new features or improvements, we do it on branches, right? So there isn't just one code base, one source from which the app is built. Um, there, um, there is the main branch or the, the latest main version, and then you branch out to work on it in kind of your own sandbox as a developer without screwing it up for other people. And then when you're done, um, you create a pull request on GitHub. That's the website we use to, everybody uses to collaborate on building software. And when you make a pull request, with code, someone reviews it, right? So we do code review and we're pretty serious um, about it. Like we did it in the past, but it was more of a stamp of approval. And then when we started working on Nosby Teams, um, uh, I was really pushing for it that it should be proper code review. So the more experienced or just other developer should look for all the ways in which something is not necessarily wrong or broken, but ways in which this could have been done better. And like, you don't necessarily have to change it, but like, hey, look at how you could have done this better, right? And initially it was really annoying and it took a lot of back and forth, but eventually we got to the point that some pull requests, so some new changes um, require this because they're big, they're complicated, because a developer is new and hasn't learned all of our tricks. Um, but some of them are just reviewed um, sometimes the same afternoon or the next day without comments and just merged to master. And then the moment that happens, in a couple of minutes, everybody in the team will see it. Because what happens is um, whenever something is merged to master, a robot uh, creates the new build for it uh, for the web, the web version and it triggers the auto update in our apps and a bot creates an Android version and an iOS version. And that also triggers an auto update um, prompt, right? On those pull requests, um, we have CI. That's also standard practice these days, but we didn't used to have it um, a couple of years ago for in earlier in Nosby free development. So it has also all sorts of tools, uh, running automated tests, linting, um, all sorts of things like there's like five or six different tools and it all runs and either shows a red cross that some automated bot found a problem or green cross that everything is okay. We then improved it to, um, to make new builds. So again, you will get the test version, not the main version that everybody in company sees, but the test version that the developer reviewing or someone testing this pull request can open in the web browser and can download the Android and iOS versions, right? Uh, this is something that is slowly becoming a standard practice in the industry. But again, even two years ago, having built for three different platforms from one code base, um, I think that even now is not exactly common because it's kind of a pain in the butt to set up and we have to get way better at this. But anyway, I digress. One thing that we developed um, that's pretty important to us is this process of having small incremental pull requests. So most 
more traditional um, software development processes have these big monolithic pull requests, right? There's a feature, so a developer works on it for a long time, submits a pull request or, or just a branch, a, a, a huge uh, diff or the difference in files that may have um, a thousand or thousands of lines of, of changed code. So problem with this is it's a lot of inventory, right? Yes. It sits for a long time. The developer working on it is not going to get uh, continuous feedback, not from the developer reviewing the code, not from the tester testing the code, not from the designer seeing if this looks as it should, if it works as it should. Uh, it just takes too long. And when you have a diff that has 2,000 lines of code, it's really difficult to do proper code review because it's really hard to wrap your head around so many changes. So guess what happens? The code reviews are crap. Yeah, you just don't do you're it. Just you, gonna, just, you just skip through the yeah. code review. I like, okay, it, yeah, it, it, it must be good. Boom. Yeah, maybe like the longer the diff, the more bike shedding you are. So another software development term, bike shedding or arguing about the color of your bike shed, meaning arguing over stuff that doesn't matter, right? Okay. You notice some stylistic thing and like, hey, you could have done it better, right? And you don't notice the big things because they're just too much. Mm -hmm. So we've been pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. It took a while, but we've developed a really strong culture of sending small pull requests that usually have 100, 200, 300 lines of code, sometimes more, but it's not so much of the lines of code that's changed, but the complexity of the pull request and the time it took. So generally, uh, ideally, you're gonna send a pull request um, every day. Like at the end of the workday, like a chunk of work, maybe two days sometimes, but it's going to be a fairly small chunk of work. That's going to be easy and fast to test, easy and fast to give feedback for, uh, to do code review on. And we developed a set of um, tools and practices that allows us to do this, right? Because, hey, what if you're working on a new feature? Like, it's not going to be done in one day and you can't just ship to, uh, to people, you know, a, a broken screen and a bunch of ugly buttons that don't do anything, right? So one practice we've established uh, which is also well known in the industry, but m most uh, app development firms I know of don't practice it or don't practice it very much, which is feature flags. Yeah, I mean, so, actually, recently I was listening to one of the podcasts and they were saying that that they have a strong opinion that feature, f uh, feature flags are bad, that you shouldn't have feature flags, everything goes to production, like it shouldn't be. But actually, in our case, mm -hmm. with this kind of lean approach, the feature flags are so important because... Uh, for me, as an observer, because I'm not, you know, you don't allow me, you know, you don't let me code anymore. So, uh, as an observer of how you develop Nosby uh, uh, Teams, I, I I realized, and I was surprised actually, because I didn't know the the, the story behind it. Why um, recently, in the process of creating attachments um, for for comments um, and, mm -hmm. in Nosby Teams, you had so many pull requests. I was like, like. Why? Yeah. Why? Like, I, where is the big pull request for comments? Like for 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 attachments? Like, where I was searching for the big one, and then you, I saw that there were there were just oh, small yeah. ones and small ones, and did, and getting approved, getting getting iterated. So I thought, you know, okay, these got iter uh, approved, so I'm sure attachments are working. Oh, not yet. So what happens? Like, I was I was really <laughs> surprised. I was I I didn't mm -hmm. get it. Why uh, you yeah. had these? You know, this whole iteration of of uh, pull requests. Yeah. So uh, yes, feature flags have their downsides. And and I'm sure they were the ones that that um, they discuss whatever 
in whatever you are listening to, but they allow us to ship more often, to do this small incremental pull request stuff and kind of iterate more quickly. Because again, you can't ship broken bad stuff to the customer, right? So what do we do? Whenever we make a new feature, we start a feature flag and it's a feature flag, a feature flag set is just this configuration file with the names of all of the features we're working on and they may be enabled, which means everybody sees them. They may be disabled on production, uh, meaning only we see them on dog footing, so in our team. And um, they can be even disabled completely, only available for development if it's like way too broken. Uh, in the future, we might have another tier. We might have uh, beta tester feature flags. Ah, okay. Uh, mm -hmm. We could do that, right? For for people who are for who uh, want new stuff and accept that they might be broken, maybe shaky, might be broken, might change a lot. Some people want that. Uh, many people don't. They they pay money and they expect something that's solid, right? So by having a feature flag we can merge stuff into master because the person doing the code reviews sees that it's very unlikely that it's going to break something on production, meaning for the, the customer using. It might break something on dog fooding, but, you know, who cares? We're the beta, we're our largest beta testers, right? If it's broken, we should know immediately and not when we ship, right? So this way we can ship early, ship often, because it won't break. And... Um, if doing massive changes, so not new features, but changing something, we may also wrap it under a feature flag. So for example, so a new feature will be attachments and it's about to get shipped probably next Monday. So by the time this podcast gets released, it will be it'll shipped. Be sh oh, but definitely will be shipped. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely shipped. <laughs> anyway, another thing I've been working on is a slight redesign of how the comments timeline work. And it took me a couple of weeks uh, to fully develop, uh, squash all of the bugs. And throughout this time, it's been under a feature flag. Only when it's been better than the old version, though it still had a few bugs, only then we enabled the feature flag to push to production, right? And then we can uh, delete the feature flag, we can clean up the old code if there is any. So this allows us to ship fast. Let me just point out another thing here, which is really good, that you're not only getting feedback then from other developers through the code review because yeah. you merge it to master and we and under a feature flag so we can already dog food it so we can use it in the team you get a lot more feedback from the whole team using the application so like while yeah. you were building the way the comments would work um i remember you know talking to you constantly and you know um bugging you about stuff that that, that had to be fixed there but this way you got feedback from people who are not developers who are not uh, there so who are from the outside and this way you get much more feedback so again the improvement is better there is there are more eyes to see uh, uh, what's going on uh, so um, as in lean production the, the the probability of then pushing to production a code that is broken is much more reduced than it would be if you would just build it somebody would check the code and we would ship it to production with just some testing yeah, another thing we practice, which um, I haven't heard of people doing, practicing that. I, I guess they do, but maybe it's less formalized or I haven't heard about it. But we do something I dubbed asynchronous testing. So most changes are not blocked by the approval from the tester, right? So in the past, with Nosby, uh, Nosby Free, we'd have 
to contrast all of that, we'd have a huge pull request. Sometimes it would take weeks. It would be a lot of code. It would usually be reviewed poorly because it's just too hard. And it would only be shipped or merged to master once Camille approved it and said, I've tested it, it's good. We don't do that. So we do that, okay, we do that sometimes, right? Sometimes there's a, there's a change that we know is risky in some way or like way too complicated for uh, just the person developing it or just the code reviewer to like glance at it and decide it's almost really gonna be good. Then we might ask to Camille to step in and, and do proper testing before we, we merge it. But most of the time, um, pull request comes, Camille is notified that, hey, this needs testing, but it doesn't depend on his approval. So once code review is done, it gets merged. Now, uh, Camille will test it asynchronously, meaning when he has time to do it. And why can we do it? First of all, if something, if a change is under a feature flag, we don't have to worry about it. Like worst case scenario, something will break on dog footing and someone will have to revert it on master, but that doesn't happen very often. It doesn't break anything for the customer, right? We have time until the feature flag is enabled to test it fully. If something is a fairly trivial bug fix with like clear reproduction steps, the person developing it will test it, looks good. The code reviewer will also take a look at the deployment, so the new test version, and say, well, it looks good, right? It's definitely better. So even if there is still something to, to be fixed, still something to be improved, it's very unlikely that it will break more than it fixed. So let's just merge it. And when Camille has time, uh, he will fix it, right? And even if we change something that will affect customers, we have until the end of the week to test it since we only ship on Monday, right? So again, this is kind of more extreme in the sense that, um, you know, we're living on the edge, pushing to master things that haven't passed QA. But the reason it works and it's good is because we have all sorts of um, uh, safeguards to ensure that things will be good. We have dog footing, we have feature flags, we have a process where the code reviewer also tests it and we ship every Monday. And thanks to this, we can move faster, we can iterate faster and more of the time, everybody on our team testing the app by using it every day, all day long, will see the changes that may or may not have bugs. I like it a lot. It's really cool. It's and and it's now I see the resemblance of lean manufacturing here. Like uh, we've been doing this for for many months now, but now I see that it's it ties in perfectly right now with uh, with lean manufacturing. Very cool. All right, let's move on. Next thing we do is dev responsibilities. We talked about it before, so we'll just link in the show notes to the episode. But every developer has a specialty or a responsibility that they've been assigned uh, some uh, piece of technology or area in the code that they're responsible for. So uh, there's less top-down management needed, uh, very, very little in fact, because things are split up so that the person doing the work knows the most about the work and understands that they are the person uh, with whom the bug stops, right? Um, so that's nice. Um, another thing that's fairly new, we introduced it in September, is uh, what I call bug fixing Mondays. So uh, the rhythm of the week for the development team is this. Um, Monday is a bug fixing Monday. 
So we have a list of um, known bugs, known issues, and a list of small improvements. And on Mondays, we work on that, um, unless there's nothing to do. In which case, we go on to the second phase of the week, which is Tuesday until Thursday, which is roadmap work. So we have the roadmap and like big chunks, big, big tasks, big projects, new features, big improvements uh, that can be split up into smaller parts, usually done under a feature flag, and we work on that. So the reason for bug fixing Mondays is that when you have a great focus on the most important thing, which is the roadmap stuff, right? The most important, most impactful features, it's easy to lose sight and, and not be able to, to prioritize the bag of a lot of smaller things, like bugs, which gotta be fixed, because even if they're like really tiny, like some small glitch, some thing that's not gonna affect a lot of people, they're often annoying though. And they're often really easy, fast to fix, and you gotta fix them, because quality. And it, we just found it easier to have a day dedicated to it. Uh, if there's nothing to do, move on to roadmap work. And of course, then there's TGIF, so weekly review, planning the next week, and time for learning new stuff. Yeah, so um, something that recently popped up uh, in uh, on my end, like um, I got an email from an angry customer uh, pointing me out that our customer support uh, was not uh, as good to them as they should have been. And when I got the email and I saw the, the discussion there, I was really disappointed that it was true. Like he was right. He like we like we didn't treat them the way they should be treated. So instead of being the angry boss and telling this person who responded to this customer to get fired and all that stuff, uh, uh, we grouped in customer support um, with Ivan, our customer support chief, and figure out a way to do um, Q, uh, QS, we call it quality support. So a QS meeting every week, now we do it every two weeks, um, where we review customer support uh, emails from recent time. I mean, one person from customer support chooses messages that they review. And not to uh, dwell too much about it, the whole thing was, it's a success. It's been working very well for the last months uh, because the person who's running the show, the, the one of the co uh, customer support uh, people with Ivona, the, 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 their, their boss, and with me, the, 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 the big boss, who has all the answers, of course, uh, we can see at things uh, on a different, uh, with a different perspective, which is great. And then, but the most important thing, the most important change, what I've, that I've observed throughout this meeting was the fact that we mentioned in the last week's episode is that sudden, suddenly the customer support agents are looking for waste, are looking for things to fix, are looking for ways nice. they were not at 100%. Or they, they just, or, or they're like, or they thought our policy is this, but actually it wasn't. But, you know, nobody told them and uh, it's fine. So it was really great that like, it, it was like this call, this regular review of, of customer support emails wasn't a witch hunt. It wasn't a way for me to show, you know, you're doing a bad job. It wasn't a way to find a, a, a person responsible for, for whatever was happening. And the best part, the report that, that I get for this meeting is anonymous. So I don't know which emails come from which customer support agent because I don't care. It doesn't matter. What matters is how can we improve these messages? What can we do differently? How can we address customers better? What can we do in our policies? So it was again a fantastic way to really improve our, our customer support, but 
but moreover, really enable people to start searching for improvements, searching for ways to do better. And that's what I like about it. Nice. All right, next up from the development team is text scrums. Um, let me explain. Uh, for years, we've practiced, semi-practiced something that's um, inspired by agile development, scrum methodologies, uh, which I've never really followed, um, but, but took inspiration from, um, which is the scrum or the daily stand-up, uh, which is a short meeting. Um, it was thought of like in a world where you need to be in the physical office, hence stand up because you have the meeting standing up so that it doesn't take too much time, right? And you meet every morning as a development team and every person in the team, in a circle, discusses A, what they've been working on yesterday, B, what I'm planning to do today and C, uh, any problems that I've encountered. The idea being like, this is the checkup point, we can coordinate, we can notice that someone is working on the wrong thing or having troubles with trouble with something, you know, spending too many days on something that shouldn't take that long. And it's a good opportunity to voice problems or concerns. Um, we did it over audio and video. The idea also being that, hey, this is a an opportunity for us to see each other, see our faces and talk. I was okay with that, um, although it took like 20 minutes every morning and it's not just the 20 minutes, it's also the distraction uh, caused by having the meeting in the first place. And a few people in the team had a problem with it, just just really disliked it and found it completely useless. Um, the problems part very rarely is used and it might be because we're not true agile thinkers, uh, but it might just be that hey, we have Nosby, we have Slack, we're not in the physical office. If we have a problem, we discuss it right away. There's no need to wait for the meeting. So sometimes we do discuss um, problems that come up, but it's kind of special circumstances uh, when something just comes up or something like requires more attention that it's been given and could use a quick solution from the whole team meeting. But it's like once every two weeks. It's mostly what happened yesterday, what's happening today. It mostly interests a few people who um, are interested in keeping the work flowing smoothly, and the rest is not that important. Meeting is nice, but like it was too procedural to have this impact anyway, and most of us are very introverted, and we have enough connection over text. So we've decided to move to having one meeting um, like with video every Monday, and it takes a little bit longer, like 30 minutes. Rafa also um, discusses with us stuff he, he wants to present to us or ask, ask us about. And the rest of the days, uh, we do it in text form. And it's it was meant to be an experiment because many people really weren't sure. I wasn't, one sh wasn't sure if it's going to work. Maybe we would, after a month, decide that like we really need the face-to-face -face contact and like we really need it. Turns out, nope. I haven't heard a single person complaining about having test text scrums four out of five uh, days in a week. So it's a nice improvement in terms of not wasting time on a meeting no one wanted anyway. Yeah, I remember this whole discussion. It was uh, really um, <laughs> heated on our Renosby reunion that, you know, some people said, like, we need this meeting. And for me, what I didn't want to... That, 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 that's the cool thing also, to see the big picture. What I really wanted, that our developers don't get too lonely. I mean, I know we are all introverts, like they are mo yeah. mostly introverts, but uh, in a no remote uh, environment, people can get lonely even if 
without you know it's like it's like a death by thousand thousand cuts they don't just see this they, they just become lonelier and lonelier and lonelier so that's why i wanted you know you developers developers to reconnect to have a have a reason to reconnect and um and to see each other and to see that you are part of a team that you're not working only for your own stuff or your own thing you're working on something bigger than you uh, and uh, that's why i insisted on, on on having these meetings but on the other hand i wanted to, to see which you know it was good to experiment and see what really works and what doesn't so it was good that some of us, uh, some of you, uh, some of the developers said, you know, we were very opposed to it, so we could figure out a way, and we did. And I think you know the Monday meeting works pretty well for you, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I can't speak for for everybody, but um, we do a retrospection every two months or so. Everybody going over like the the con the pros and cons, the good parts, the bad parts about the last two months in the development team, and I'm pretty sure it would have come up if someone had a problem yeah. with it. Um, and it didn't. So yeah, I, for the record, I also was probably against it. Like I didn't mind it. I didn't care too much about it, but I just, I felt like it's probably a good idea, but we don't have it and we're better off now. Mm. So that's good. Moving forward. For the last few months, we've had something called the Roadmap Rangers um, or the Roadmap Team, uh, but we've come up with the name Roadmap Rangers. So um I think it stemmed largely from me pushing onto you and Rafael, like, hey, like, look, we don't have anybody that really keeps tabs on the big picture of the development process. We're supposed to ship in a couple of months and, and like, look what's happening. We're spending time on stuff we then decide won't ship. We... In the features we're, we're building, we're spending time on on like little things that we could have skipped. Like we don't have anyone who has a big picture thinking perspective on the whole process of developing and shipping Nosby teams, right? And because uh, in the development team, like we're focused on the little things, on the low picture of getting everything shipped day by day, week by week. Uh, in the design team, we think of the future, the uh, and sometimes the immediate problems of stuff that's broken, of stuff, you know, coming up with designs of how things should be ideally and how things can be for now. But this is its own problem that has to be managed. And um, I guess it's kind of silly to say since um, management is kind of a norm and it's us being uh, weird and being very very low on management um which is a good thing right it's a it's a feature it's not a bug but exactly but we found we found this this uh hole in the process this this lack of just very slight management by someone who's responsible for like looking at the big picture not the small picture and not the future uh, but the, the close future and getting to the finish line and i pushed and pushed and finally pushed you to push camille and rafa to to figure out the process for this Yes, and uh, what was really cool. So the, the Roman Rangers, there, there are three of them. I mean, like, like two and a half. Though. So I am the third one, but uh, mostly it's it's Camille and Rafael. Um, so the and Rafael pushed for uh, using the shape up, like of parts of shape up um, technique by Basecamp um, to also uh, do this. Um, and it took a while. It took lots of annoying messages from you um but in the end um the annoyance paid off and and mm. i think we have a very cool process that finally rafa realizes that he is uh, really responsible for the vision of the roadmap so how the product should really you know uh 
work and look like. Camel is responsible mm -hmm. for making sure that people are working on the right thing and are getting the right stuff done so so that it matches the vision that uh, that we have there so it's and 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 now developers also get it how we want to do it so um it all trickled down like from this from this big picture to this small picture and to all these decisions um on the way there which I really like. I think it was a, a, a good a good stuff, so um, a good choice, um, good way, because there was just so much, again, waste of working on something that was unnecessary or maybe sometimes even caused by myself, like uh, working on a whim. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Michael has this idea, let's work on that. No, it doesn't belong to the roadmap. Yeah. If Michael likes this idea, Michael will write it up. And there is a process for this. Michael knows the process. He can figure out how to how to um, uh, have his idea heard. But it's not like by, by like, people were more inclined to just working on a whim, to uh, working on a, uh, on something just because they felt like it, instead of really working on something that belongs to a bigger picture, that belongs to a vision, that belongs to a product that we yeah. want to ship. And uh, I think um, you know it's it's been a very long process, and it's still a process. It's we're we're improving this as we go now, but uh, so far so good. I'm I'm really happy with the progress. It was painful. It was a bit slower than we thought it would be, but it's going along. Yeah. So again, we have no full time managers at Nosby, but many people have some some role related to managing the whole process. Um, Rafael is one of them, right? So in the roadmap rangers team. Rafael comes up with the vision, hence the roadmap, like how we're going to get there and the scope for what we're going to ship for the product launch. Um, hence the roadmap tasks or like projects, features to ship and what we're going to do in those features or what we're going to try to do for those features and what we're not going to even attempt, right? So that's his role. Um, Camille is checking in on every, every developer every week to um, to ask how much time they've spent on different features from the roadmap and how much time they think they'll need. That's, a, that's another part of the process. Rafael posts a small report. It's not really a report. It's a comment in a task in Nosby about how things have been going last week, uh, what we should focus on, how the, how the um, kind of roadmap looks uh, given how much time we have left. Um, what is still to be done, what should focus on what, and maybe stop doing something that seems to be a dead end. Um, again, this is a very flexible process. He's not our boss. He's not a full-time manager. He coordinates and helps us do our stuff, but all of those things are public. They're in the project in Nosby, and everybody can chip in if they have a better idea or an argument for or against something. Um, so there is that, and as for the the design process, uh, you're right. We've we've um, uh, got inspired by some ideas from Ransinger and and the Basecamp team. Some of those things we've already sort of done, but half-heartedly, as in maybe I would do them mm -hmm. and someone else would do them, but not everyone got it. Like it wasn't formalized enough, and some parts uh, we definitely got inspired from them, but. Um, we approach design problems slightly differently to focus more on the big picture of what we want in a feature, in a product, and less on the nitty gritty of the UI of how something should look like. That's one aspect of this process. Another aspect of this process is uh, we've never done estimates. What we think something will 
uh, took. This is the standard managerial practice. I've always pushed against it. Uh, we've banished it from the company because it's stupid. Like you cannot estimate how long software will take to develop. Many people have tried, it never works, never. So we went to like doing best we could, but there was also a problem with that in that it took too long. So we do um, budgeting, meaning for a feature, there's a budget, right? And you start from the most important thing, work on that. And when the budget is out, like, like just like with our um, uh, train timetable and shipping every Monday, it ships, like there's where our budget. So if we want to improve that in the future, we can improve them in the future. If there's bugs, we'll deal with them every Monday. But there's no more feature to do. So attachments, man, I wish we had thumbnails for the attachments, but for now we don't. We'll do them, but we're our budget. So we've assigned based on our rough, not just estimate, but our feeling of our appetite, as Basecamp put it, of how much time we'd like to spend there. And when we're, done, when, um, we're out of the budget, we're out of the budget. And another aspect of this process, which I've always practiced, but it's been formalized now, is that the designer works closely with the developer. So we don't start from concrete specs and everything, like a design that's perfect. We start the development process from a design that's figured out conceptually, and then the developer works side by side with the designer to figure out um, what can we do, what are the technical challenges, what we might skip or skip for now because it will take too much time and there's a simpler alternative that will take less time and what the exact UI should be. Because the problem with a designer making exact specs is it usually fails because um, the designer is very happy with their design but it's usually static or even if it's interactive, you put it in a real app and you realize it's not great, it's bad, it doesn't work. So it's better to iterate in in dog footing or in production, seeing what actually works and like um, not silo design from development so much. Yeah, and what we also improved is that uh, we, we talked about this on, on the podcast that we have the design fight team. So we have the the five people who are uh, you know constantly iterating on designs, on design ideas. So we also improved our process of creating uh, ideas for design fight team. And now everybody contributes, everybody shapes up uh, uh, specs, uh, you know, to improve. And also, um, especially uh, now that we have the QS, so the quality support, uh, Ivona, who's, the who's, who's also part of the Design Fight team and resp is responsible for the customer support. Whenever we have new ideas for improvements in customer support, but they need to be built like in the app or you know somewhere somewhere there, she has to shape up the, the documentation and we argue it on design fight team. So this way we can improve the process. And this is what I also like about about it is that it's again another form of Kaizen. So we ship a feature also like in production for the customers, we see how customers respond and then customer support can shape up a new version, can come up with a new idea because like to improve, like to see, okay, um, customers are confused here. Let's, let's change it. Let's improve it. Let's see if we can make it better. And this way, um, also customer support is much more involved in the design process than it, than, than it used to be. All right. Um, I want to talk about Kaizen math. Oh yeah. Cause this kind of blow my mind. Um, supposed to mention it in the previous episode, but here's why process improvement and eliminating waste of time has truly amazing 
economics to it. I mean, we talked about it. Like, it's people always tell you, like, why would you spend an hour or two hours on something if it just helps you like five seconds? Why would you do that? Well, I'll tell you why, Michael. There are 365 days in a year. And even if us in the development team work um, on development stuff four days out of five in a week, and there's weekends and um, days off and vacations, it still comes down to about 180 days in a year. So if you come up with an improvement of the process, um, make something a little bit better in the way you write code or something like that, and shave off one minute a day, every day, um, that's 180 minutes in a year. That's three hours. But we're in a team. And many, maybe most of these changes to writing code will affect everybody in the team. So you make something that shaves off one minute in a day. That's nothing, right? That's 0.2% of the entire day. But that comes down, that comes to 15 hours in a year. Now, 15 hours is still 0.2% of the year, but but point is, like how difficult it is, even if you're not cranking out widgets, but doing something slightly different every day, how hard it is, is it to find something that you can eliminate or make simpler that will save one minute every day? Not very difficult, but if you save 15 hours in a year, then it's reasonable to spend four hours um, making it better you'll still have a huge return on investment. Most changes that will have such a minuscule improvement will only take maybe half an hour or an hour to implement, right? So they're really worth it. They're, they're going to pay off really quickly. And even though it's a very small improvement, since it's so simple to implement, there's also so many. I, I talked about it last week. I've really realized this. Uh, waste is fractal, right? you can make a huge architectural mistake as a developer that will waste a year, right? You can screw up a major feature that will waste a month. You can um, start working on something in the wrong way, a feature, develop it uh, in the wrong direction and have to revert. That might waste a, a week, right? But the big wastes, there are not too many of them, right? And how many wastes are there that are one minute every day? A lot, right? So by, um, by focusing your eyes, your attention to like small wastes of time, you can achieve big improvements because though they're small, they also take very little time to improve and there's many of them, right? So you can continuously improve like every day, every week, um, you can make a few changes uh, that will save a minute, two minutes, five minutes every day and that will that compounds to huge amounts of time if you do the math over the span of a year. Yeah, and so so it's that, and as we mentioned before, it's also the satisfaction of doing something better, this, of, of, of not yeah. wasting, like satisfaction of not wasting, you know, time, wasting resources, wasting whatever, like of not wasting. And I think this is, you know, undervalued by us because psychologically, emotionally, it's so good, it's so rewarding to do something better, to have an improvement. It's just nice. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get into too many details of like changes we've done so far. Uh, we're at the beginning of this journey. Of course, we've made improvements before, but in a less formalized way, I guess we didn't have a name for it. And we, we didn't fully realize as a team the magic of the Kaizen math and um, this, this kind of, um, this rule of thumb that for every minute you can save every day for the entire team, spend four hours uh, to fix it, right? Up to four hours. 
And if you can, um, uh, if you can save one minute every day f just for yourself, spend an hour on it. Right now that we've realized it, I hope we'll have a much greater pace of such improvements, and not just make um, improvements because someone felt like it that day or because it's something big and obvious that we have to fix, but a lot of tiny things that add up. So Raju, I'm uh, I would like to challenge you uh, that on our next Nosby reunion, it should be all about this, all about Lean and Kaizen. We should. I maybe do a, I don't know, kind of a workshop or kind of something to like, because this is what the, you know, what the author of Two Second Lean argued that unless we rally people to, to keep doing it, to like, like what we can do now asynchronously, you know, being remote, uh, like start these changes and complete, uh, um, you know, uh, prime people that we are doing this, that we are, you know, improving, that we are lean and we are becoming lean. Um, that we are leaning in <laughs> this. Um, and I would like us on Nosby Reunion to really just, you know, like push it through, to just really show people what we've done already, show them what we've already accomplished, show them the, some of the results and inspire them to be on a constant search for um, uh, for waste. And uh, like we had zero waste presentation by Rafael and Rust Reunion. So this is just a perfect, <laughs> like perfect segue to, to finding uh. waste in our company. I think, uh, I think this would be like, a, this should be one of the main topics of our next reunion. Yeah, um, we'll see. I've definitely am taking steps to introduce this to the team, to inspire them a little bit. And it's going to take time. Like it's, it's, it's something you and I, Michael, have been already primed to get primed to get excited about. It might be harder to sell it to other people, and it's not something you can force down people's throats because they will reject it and won't be effective at it. Uh, so it might take a while to like fully realize all of the the benefits of Kaizen. But already, people in the development team are making their own um, little improvements and kind of arguing about, um, uh, in a good way, um, which improvement is going to be better, right? And save more time or, or just be um, a little easier to, to deal with. Uh, so for now, I'm kind of dripping in inspiration towards their way and leading by example by doing a lot of very tiny pull requests, fixing this one thing that really bugged me today. And uh, yeah. No, yeah, I know, uh, and and that's the thing. Uh, we should, you know, prime people, like get them inspired. Uh, I, I'm I'm tempted to record more before and after videos, <laughs> just like yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, just like uh, the author ordered to make sure that we really the people see the progress and 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 I think the the key will be to to show them like what we've just discussed on this show to show them what we've already achieved, what we've already done, and that this is a part of a bigger journey and a bigger like, um, continuous journey that never stops, that always keeps improving. You know, I I need some sort of app on the Mac uh, that will make it extremely easy and fast to like bind together uh, like two small screencasts or something like that for the before and after because doing it in one shot is often difficult when I'm like mm -hmm. showing a difference it's easy to show just after and even iMovie is just like too unlean for me like before it launches before it renders and exports way too much time like not gonna do that uh, but but yeah, I, I think before and after videos are very satisfying to watch. Uh, so if if we can figure out a lean way to make that, 
Like it's easy for, for video because you, you do it all on your iPhone, all in the iMovie app, then it's quick. But I want to do it with screencasts on my Mac to like show something in the development process. We'll figure out something.